last two months and, and one this 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 month lost two of our um, uh, kids own teachers and so if 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 you can be either a helper or a teacher um, we need help that's that's it so if, if that's something that if uh, you're part of the church here and have been you know we can help you you can be a helper with no experience at all um, and we need helpers too but we also need a, a teacher if there's someone who's done it before um, and we can do some more training so anyways move on amen hallelujah okay I can't preach this fast uh, we went I've got so much to say um, but I'm going to try and we may go a little over I always try to get us out at 11 I think officially we ended like 11.15 we may go for the 11.15 today so hang on buckle your seats um, we're, we're talking about spiritual warfare so welcome if this is your first time um, visiting uh, we've been in the book of Ephesians for quite some months and we're in chapter 6 so we're in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning and, uh, and I just want to say a real quick happy birthday to George Happy birthday, George. As he shrinks down, he's not going to make him stand up, but I heard uh, it was his birthday, so. All right. If there's any other birthdays that I don't know, happy birthday to you. Forgive me. Um, all right. Ephesians chapter 6, we've been, ta- we've been in the book of Ephesians talking about how we are seated in Christ, how He wants us to walk in Him and live in Him. We've been given instructions on understanding that uh, He has made um, both Jew and Gentile one, that there's a purpose to, uh, to be in Christ. Uh, we talked about marriage and relationships. All of these things are coming up to chapter 6 where we've... Uh, uh, in verse, starting in verse 10, talking about the armor of God and spiritual warfare. Uh, last week I spent the whole service just talking about that the battle is real, that the enemy is real. I want to uh, kind of just go over some of those points um, real quick and then move into the next. We're going to be talking about uh, this for about four weeks. So um, I just think it's really important to spend a lot of time doing uh, talking about the invisible war that we're in. Spiritual warfare is real. It, we live in a spiritual realm. The Bible talks about it constantly, about the spiritual war, but also the, the, the spiritual world that we're in. Because we've heard the, that we are in Christ, that when we got saved, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. When that happened, nothing happened to my body. Okay, nothing happened to my physical body. Probably if you did an exam on my heart and every other organ in my physical body, nothing changed when I got saved. So what changed? The spiritual realm that we live in, we, are, we live in both a physical and a spiritual realm. I, I, I imagine most of us in here have felt something like kind of strange at some point, went, what was that? And you like, it was probably something happening in the spiritual realm because I believe the spiritual realm invades the physical all the time. I also want to encourage us, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Anyone ever see carbon monoxide? Okay, I've never seen carbon monoxide, but I know it can kill me. Um, and so there's a lot of things that we know are true that we cannot see with our eyes, and yet they affect us in the physical realm as well. The, the, the spiritual world that we live in um, is a real thing. The Bible talks about it all the time, and we uh, have plenty of, of testimonies and witnesses that there is a real spiritual uh, battle and a real spiritual world. And so what we found out in, in Ephesians chapter 10 is that we need to stand. I'm going to read uh, um, verses 10 for just a couple verses here. 
One more time, so we're on the same page. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then it goes on and begins to talk about the armor. And we'll get to that in a a little bit, starting in verse 13. So... Um, we need to be uh, continually strengthened by the power that's been made available to us in God. We need to understand that we are in a spiritual battle and that we need to have um, allow the Lord to move in our lives and then to, to obey these scriptures and figure out what he's talking about in putting on the armor. In the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 6 is a great illustration of the spiritual battle happening in the physical. It was with Elisha and his servant, and, and, and they went out... Um, the, the enemy went to go kill Elisha because Elisha kept telling the king all the enemy's moves. And so the servant of Elisha went out early in the morning to do whatever he was doing, you know, probably for Elisha, getting the water or something. He looked out, and the city had been surrounded by the physical army that was going to kill Elisha. And so the servant goes, hey, Elisha, we're in trouble, and what are we going to do? And Elisha comes out and, and says, um, stand still. Those that are for us... Are, are outnumber those that are against us. And I imagine the servant said something like this. Well, let's see here. One, two, 10,000. I think your math is somehow uh, wrong here, Elisha. And so he prayed, Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes would be open. And then his eyes were open. And there on the hills were chariots of fire. There chariots. The army of the Lord was surrounding them. Now, Elisha didn't pray that they would show up. He prayed that the servant would see it they were already there and he was able to see in the spiritual realm what was happening and then and then the victory was um the lord's in the new testament second corinthians 10 i want to read this this passage it's it's important one to kind of and there's a number of scriptures today it would be really good to memorize i think it's important that we memorize scriptures for though we walk in the room uh corinthians 10 3 though we walk in the flesh we do not war in the flesh uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then this is bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are in a spiritual war. We don't wage war as the world does. We, we wage it in a spiritual way. And that's what we're talking about. And we'll be talking about for the next few weeks is how do we stand against the enemy? Now, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I do things kind of different if you're, if you're visiting. I, I always like to go, hey, show of hands and see, who's ever felt like they were in a spiritual battle? Okay? See, right there, some of you are going, really? Well, I, that, those are people who've recognized that they were actually in a battle, that something was coming against them that was outside of, of natural forces. The rest of you, it's also happened. Because the, the enemy, Satan, doesn't like us. And so he comes against us all the time. We're involved in an invisible war. It's, it's a conflict that has inter- eternal implications. Um, you know, a lot of people don't ever consider that they they're living in a spiritual realm. But but uh, you know, praise the Lord, a lot of us, a lot of you have. And so by the end of this uh, series, I'm I'm 
hoping and praying, see, diligently seeing, Lord, that we'll all be aware of, of this spiritual battle and also begin to look back and realize that sometimes we've gone through things already that were spiritual. Um, I believe even a number of the fights that we get in with our spouses are, are caused from spiritual things. Now, I don't see demons behind every rock and every bush. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that there's demons necessarily behind everything in our life. I don't think that there's a demon of flat tires okay um but but i but that doesn't mean that you know crazy things don't actually sometimes happen um so so we want to try to have a balanced uh, approach but we really need to lean fur- way further into the spirit because most of us um it's it's hard we want to we want to touch it feel it understand it um we want to analyze things and if we if we can't really make sense of it in the natural we want to discredit it and i as i talked about last week i encourage you to listen to the message online um, by the way, our website was off for a while. It's back up, I think. Um, is is that we are living in a in a battle, and the biggest trick of the enemy is for us to not believe in him at all. Okay, um, but but we are in a war with a formidable foe, a formidable foe, someone who exists, and he's powerful. Um, we need to understand that he is strong. First um, Peter five eight though says, "Be sober of spirit." Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's out there looking to devour people. He hates us, and he wants to kill us, to cause our witness to be pressed down. He wants to thwart any part of the cause of Christ in any way he can. Um, listen to Jude chapter 9. It says, um, this is about the power of the enemy. Okay. Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him, the devil, a railing judgment, but he said that the Lord rebuke you. So, so even Michael understood that his enemy was great. We're going to talk about this a little. We're going to overview who this enemy is. Is Satan for real? Absolutely. If you're taking notes or you want to listen to this and take notes later, I encourage you to do that. Um, in, in Genesis 3 was the account where the serpent came into the garden. The Bible talks about the enemy in 1 Chronicles 21, Revelation 12, 9. Jesus himself, he, 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 Satan came and tempted Jesus himself. Jesus talked about demons and hell and the devil 25 different times. The book of Matthew chapter 4 is all about Jesus and the temptation. Um, there are demons, and in fact, in, Roman, in Ephesians, I know I'm going fast today. Why well, just, just hang on? I'm going to keep going. I just got to talk like this because we're just going to, there's so much. Uh, again, I think you might want to get the message, and maybe I'll slow down after a bit. Um, listen to the way it's worded even here in, in Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of age, of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Each one of those in the Greek is a different word, kind of signifying different thing. One of them literally means, um, when it says the uh, rulers of the darkness of this age, is, is talking about um, the cosmos and that there are powers of the cosmos, and that's the Greek word. In other words, powerful beings in the universe. He's talking about spiritual beings. And, and so principalities, powers. I like the last one because it says, against every spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, all these things and everything else. There's a lot of, the, you know, the, we're, we're recognizing there's demons and demonic powers. And, you know, people don't like to talk about that. 
Don't talk about that. But, but we need to be aware of his, of his assault and who he is. So who is Satan? Satan was a created being. We talked about this last week. He is not equal with God. He was created by God. He is an angel. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he was a specific kind of angel. He was a cherub. Okay, now get out of your mind, the fat little guy with the harp. Okay, because you're like going, that doesn't sound very vicious to me. You know, because we, we, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, that's a cherub. Um, I don't think they're, I think they're warring angels. And, and, uh, but Satan was a created angel. And it said in Ezekiel, we give a really uh, great look into him. Um, he was, he was splendor. He was clothed in majesty. He sat above the throne of God and, and guarded it. Um, Satan uh, was, was so magnificent that he, and I, according to Isaiah, actually got pride built up in his in his heart, and he, and he began to say things like, I will ascend above the throne of God. And so what happened is Satan had a pride issue come in, and he actually turned against God, bought into uh, this light, and a third of the angels bought into it with him, and they were all cast down to the earth. This is all in the Revelation, Isaiah, Ezekiel, throughout the Bible. So this is the story of, of where Satan came from. Um, He was perfect when he was created until sin was found in him, Ezekiel says. But pride began to come and he took that that personal choice. So we have to respect the, the power of the enemy because he is powerful, but that doesn't mean we need to fear him. See, we don't need to fear the enemy. We need to be aware of the enemy. So, so the thing is, is that we don't, we don't want to war against in the natural. In fact, it's really interesting when, when uh, Paul says that, uh, you know, that we're, we're having a, a battle that's not of the flesh, but it's a spiritual battle. Other, other leaders in the time would go and, and encourage. You've got to think Greek, Greek mythology, Greek people believed in all these gods. So often a commander in the Roman army or the Greek army would say, listen, the your, your people you're battling, they're not gods they're flesh and blood don't be afraid because sometimes they're thinking man are these other are the people we're fighting are they gods because they've maybe they've conquered so much and there was these fears that maybe they're actually gods so the commander would come in and say listen the enemy is not a god he's flesh and blood paul comes in and says you're warring with people that aren't flesh and blood but they're spiritual so he's kind of going opposite of what other people would be doing but he's helping us to to understand that we can't fight this battle uh, in a physical way, we have to fight it in a spiritual way. Um, so we don't need to be, uh, we need to be aware of him. We need to be aware of his methods. In fact, that's the word in, in Ephesians chapter 6 is, is actually methodia, the strategies, the wiles of the devil are methods. They're, they're strategies against us. And he is really uh, wise and cunning. Wise and cunning. Um, we can't be ignorant. Seeing Second Corinthians two says this: um, in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Church, I want us to never be ignorant of his schemes again. He's going to come in. He's going to come in. I'm going to talk about some of the ways he's coming in. He's been coming into our lives, and unfortunately, we most of the time we open up the door and we say, "Oh, hi, Satan, come on in." We just don't know that that's what we're doing. 
we're giving the enemy um, a foothold. In fact, the Bible says that, that one of the things we do is like we're not supposed to have anger and go to bed angry. We don't want to give the devil a foothold. Most Christians open up, open up in some way an avenue for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in their life. Um, we, we talked about some of the names of Satan. He's called the adversary, the slanderer. He's called the... Uh, um, He's a serpent. He's a dragon. He's the prince of this world. He's an evil one. He's the tempter. These are all biblical names of the enemy that we're, we're fighting. Now, I want to go into some real quick. I'm, this was all stuff from last week, basically. Um, Satan attacks God's program, the church, by some things. This is what, how he comes in. He brings in false philosophies, false, false understandings. And boy, isn't the culture ripe with philosophies and everyone just this thought is okay and that thought is okay and everything's philosophical. He comes in with false religions. We see the cults. We see cults that are very close to Christianity but always change the personhood of Jesus. If Jesus, Jesus isn't God, isn't the Son of God, isn't equal, co-equal with, Father God, with, the, with God, Father God, then that is a, it is a cult. Um, and so he comes in with false religions. He calls in with false pastors and ministers and teachers, people who will teach people just slightly wrong doctrine to get them astray. He comes in with false t- uh, doctrine, whole doctrine that, that leads us not to Christ, but just a little bit askew. Uh, if you've ever taken a long journey, if, if I were to say, hey, if you want to uh, go uh, to the East Coast, but you want to end up in Maine, and I said, just take the 10 all the way until you hit the ocean and you'll be there. You'll say, well, I know that the 10 goes to the East Coast, but you'll also say it doesn't go to Maine, right? You're heading in the right direction. Started off at the same point, and, 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 and for a very long time, you don't know how bad you're off until you're all the way there, and then you realize you're over 1,000 miles away from your target. The enemy will come in and just slightly get you off just slightly get you off until you're totally off target. Does that make sense? He comes in with, with false disciples, Christians, who, who have this freedom in Christ. There's a whole church up here. They, uh, they, you know, and I, I, can't, I don't know any of the people, but they are teaching false philosophies, and, and I believe some of them are going to be false disciples who believe that it's great that, that smoking pot is part of the worship service. In case you haven't seen it, we have a jaw-healing, spiritual-healing church just before community market on the left-hand side. It's not just a place to buy marijuana. They have services, okay? So they have false teaching and false p- people who are bought, uh, brought into these teachings, and, and there's other things that are going on in there. So, and then, of course, false morals. Uh, he, he brings in false morals. Everyone can do whatever they really want to do. You know, for you, that might not be right, but for me, it's okay. We've heard that. More morality that changes, and, and there's a standard that God has given us and he wants us to live by. So he's coming in in all of these ways and we have to be aware of all of his, his attacks and his tricks. Um, some, I'm just, these are just kind of a list. I want to talk about some of the things that, that he attacks God's people by. Um, Daniel 10 actually talks about where there was a war in the spiritual realm that was affecting the natural kingdoms and the governments according to Daniel 10. So Satan can actually come in and, and affect us by moving entire governments. Moving entire governments. Why? Because individual people are swayed um, by the enemy. Some governments are absolutely 
just open to that. Haiti, for example, is the only nation that I know of is that their national religion is voodoo, and their whole nation has been dedicated to Satan. Now, that's outright. You know, that's not hiding anything. But I believe that even in other places that the government facility people can be, um, Satan was going to attack that. He deceives men. He's a big into deceiving men. He wants to come and destroy life. He's, the Bible says that the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to, Revelation 2, it says that he's going to come in and persecute the saints. Persecution's coming. It's already here for some of us. Not, not too bad yet in this country. Other countries, there's today. Today, there's somebody being persecuted, possibly killed for their faith in Christ. Who do you think's behind that? It's not the government. It's not a Muslim. It's, it's not a person. It's not a religion. It's Satan is behind it. And he is putting into the hearts of men. Why did somebody walk into a bar? And, 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 and this supposedly was a, a, a pretty, it's a nice place. It's not a down, down and out bar. It was a, a restaurant in Thousand Oaks and shoot and kill 11 people. Was it the guns? Was it, was it his training in the military? Was it he was not held enough or held too much by his parents? The enemy is behind every murder, all hatred. He's just behind it all. He's come to bring all that, and so we live in a very spiritual world that we see acted out. Some of the the things that we see in, in this world are just absolutely heinous. There's no way to describe it. But we need to understand that it's that the enemy is behind it all. He loves to to bring chaos deception, death. You know, within the church, one of the things he does is he brings schisms between brothers and sisters, between one church and another church. Divisions over, over silly doctrines. Well, they speak in tongues, they don't speak in tongues. They believe in pre-tribulation rapture, they don't believe in pre-tribulation rapture. We, we get man's theology of, of once saved, always saved, which, you know, Calvinism or Arminianism, and w- those men trying to figure out God, that has split entire churches and groups of people, let alone all the little things that happen. I wanted the blue carpet in the sanctuary, and they wanted the green carpet, and they chose the blue carpet instead of the green carpet, and I'm not happy anymore. You know, schisms come in, but who is, who, you know, have you ever, have you ever had a, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but have you ever had a moment where you got really upset about something and like within a short amount of time, you're like, why was I so upset about that? That was so silly. You know, I sometimes think that was the enemy just going and just planting a thought of, 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 of divisiveness and speaking to us. And we're like, what? That is just ridiculous. Why was I offended by that? Why was I hurt by that? Because the enemy wants to speak to us. We're going to talk a little bit about how to, how to battle that. He wants to um, plant doubt in people. No matter how long you've been saved, he will still try to come in and plant doubt, and he will get you into place, maybe a little depression and a discouragement and a couple of bad things happening, and all of a sudden you can find yourself, and this has happened to me on occasion, is this thing even real? Is this whole God thing real? Is, this, is, is Jesus really real? And doubt begins to come in. 
And so we need to, we're going to learn how to, how to take those thoughts. The Bible, we already read it. They, we take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And we're going to go into that in a few minutes. So he also provokes sin. He, you know, anger comes up, pride, worry, self-reliance, discouragement, worldliness. All these things are planted. Um, many of them are planted by the enemy. We also know that we have our own flesh. And honestly, I don't need much help from the devil. Um, I can sin just fine on my own. But he's going to come in and also help. Because the Bible says that we battle both the, the three things, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And um, my flesh is, is bad enough, and yet then the enemy comes in on top of that. And these things are warring against me. But here's, here it goes. We can be of good cheer, because Satan's power is limited. Okay, remember I said he's created, so therefore he's not omnipotent, he's not omniscient, that means he's not all-powerful, and he's not all-knowing. He was created being. He created us. And then it says that he, um, the, the Lord is in us, and he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world, which is Satan. James 4, 7 says it simply like this. Submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we can overcome the devil very easily. We submit ourselves to the Lord. We resist the devil. And that's what Ephesians is talking about, is standing firm against him. Standing firm against him. Um, even in Job 1, God places limitations on the things that the devil could do. Read the book of Job. You'll find out that Satan goes before God and he always accuses you. And, and, but God limits what he can actually do. We need to know that as believers, and this is only for believers, we are in a spiritual battle. It's an invisible war. But we don't fight for victory. The victory has already been won in Christ. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he defeated death, he defeated hell. He, he died for our sins so that our names could be written in the Lamb's book of life. We have eternal life. The battle is won. So we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Because the enemy, even though he's defeated, is still coming after us. We fight from victory, though. We have already, the battle is already won. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. First John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is, who, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. First John 5 says this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God of God. Revelation 12 says that they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And he's talking about Satan, that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we already read James 4. We submit to God and we resist the devil. And Ephesians is talking about us uh, taking up the whole armor and how we're going to stand against him. So, so quickly, just want to, these are, these are kind of the catch up points. Satan's defeated. He's already defeated. You don't have to defeat him. He's already defeated. Jesus did all the destruction of the work of the devil. We are already victorious in Christ. And he has given us the power and resources to resist him. He's given you the power and resources to resist the devil. We have it. We can do it. All of the demonic attacks. But we need to learn how to put on the full armor of God and walk in in, in victory and walk in freedom against the enemy.
I, I've heard so many some stories over the years. In the South Pacific, after World War II was, was done and Japan surrendered, on the South Pacific there's a lot of islands and they didn't have communication to the, to the mainlands. They didn't know what was happening. And so there were American and European troops on islands with Japan and, and they were still fighting for, for, I believe, years. Some of these people were still fighting. There were some little tiny islands. They didn't get the word. In fact, just last year, they found a Japanese soldier in the middle of one of these islands still defending it. Is that crazy? He, did, he never got the news. The war is over. But see, the battles were still being fought. The war was won. It was over. But they were still fighting. That's the picture on a, on a level of what's happening for us. The, the battle, the big battle is over. The war is over. Jesus won. Satan is defeated. And yet there's still fighting going on. He doesn't want to relinquish. He's the one soldier who says, I don't care what they said. I'm still angry. I'm going to fight. And so he's attacking us still. So we have to be aware of the attacks that come against us. Satan, he, he operates kind of the same way they, they did on the islands, guerrilla warfare. He comes in secretly and he attacks. He wants to discourage us. He wants to deceive us. He wants to divide us. He wants to destroy us. And he comes in primarily through our minds. Primarily he comes in through our minds. So much of the battle is, is, is right up here. He c because even, when, even if it is a physical attack, something going on, what we do in our mind is going to determine whether we're going to fall to his attack or not. I remember one time, um, and I just happened to be in a, in a really good place that day, I think, because the enemy comes against us. And, but it was an awesome time that Lord, the Lord was in me, strengthening me. I had had a horrible day. My car had been broken into. My stereo was stolen, um, and I had a really nice stereo. I had gotten a couple of parking tickets, um, and then on the way up the mountain, it was late at night, I ran out of gas on the Arctic Circle. And so, and it was just, it was, it was just a lot of things happened that day. Um, that was the day I actually bought that base amp over in the corner. That was like 30 years ago or something. And um, it's just one of those days, right? But as I'm running out of gas, and it was just right past Lakeview Point, so I'm barely on the Arctic Circle. It was about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, there was a little turnout, so I pulled it off, and, uh, and I, grabbed, I grabbed my guitar out because the window was broken. I, couldn't, I could lock up my car, but there was a broken window on it because they actually smashed my window to steal my stereo. And as I grabbed my guitar and locked up the car, and I, I laughed, and I said, is that all you have? I realized that a lot of these things were, were coming against me. I think they were, they were from, from the enemy. I mean, it was too much. Sometimes there's just too many attacks all in one day to go, this is, this is not natural. 
there's something happening in the spiritual realm. And now, praise the Lord, I haven't always responded that way, but it was great. You know what? I knew that my victory was secure in him and that he was coming against me. And, and broken windows can be replaced. Stairs can be replaced. All those things can happen. And, and a, a nice seven-mile walk at 10 o'clock at night is good for me. And all of these things. And, and I just put myself in his, in his hands and I said, I'm okay. Um, I recognized and I, I didn't succumb to the attacks. And so I was realizing he was defeated. Again, I, I don't always do that, but that's where we're trying to be is when the attacks come in is to recognize them and put them in the right place. So he wants to in- discourage us, divide us, destroy us, deceive us, but we're commanded to equip and prepare ourselves in the strength of the Lord and his mighty power to stand firm against the enemy's schemes, his, his methods, his wiles, and to, to reject his attacks against us. So how do we do this? Well, we, we, we're already aware that there's a war going on. We need to learn to appropriate God's protection every day. And then we need to learn to engage the enemy with supernatural weapons as well. Therefore, taking up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Jesus Christ is, is, is telling us urgently to, to pick up, to receive the armor of God. I want to talk about some of these things this morning. We're just going to hopefully get to three of them. We need to be ready for battle, which I believe is a conscious and vigorous uh, effort. We have to be conscious about this every day. And we need to be ready to stand. In fact, listen to this again. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what I, what I hear in this, and this is the way it's written, is now, today, put on the whole armor of God so that when the evil does come against you, you're ready. This is not what it looks like. Oh, I'm being attacked. Maybe I should get some armor. We put on today the armor of God. So when the attack comes, we're ready. Okay? That means we need to be ready now. It's a conscious choice to go and do that now. We need to always be fully prepared. And what we're going to find out is that, that, that making a motion like this does not protect you against the enemy. Some people do this. and there's, You can do that if it, if it helps you understand what you have when we go through the armor. But I know people, um, I've, I've met some people who just make motions like this. Do they put the feet on and they put and they get the sword and they and they do the physical actions but I, I my, my question is what do those mean and did you do anything in the spiritual realm did you do anything to actually do that or do you think that just making these motions is going to scare the enemy away he doesn't get scared of, of 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 motions but when he sees a believer who's full of the spirit of god walking in righteousness full of the truth walking and, and helping proclaim the gospel of peace, which the enemy's against peace, the enemy is already rejected from that situation. We're going to go into that more. We have to be ready all the time. Conscious effort. 
decisive acts to stand our ground firmly against everything the enemy is going to throw at us. So, so w- let me go real quick. So, so Paul's in prison, um, and I believe what he's doing is he's watching, the, he's looking at a Roman soldier, and he's going, you know, that's kind of us. We're kind of like in a battle. And, you know, uh, truth. We're going to be girded with truth. Our loins girded with truth. We're going to have the breastplate of righteousness. And he's looking at all these parts that's on this soldier, and he's writing them down. In other places in the Bible, it actually talks about righteousness as being hope and love and not righteous. Uh, the, the breastplate being hope and love and not righteousness. So these are things that connect, but they're, the, it's a metaphor. Church, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's a metaphor. So let's go into this metaphor. First one. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. And I know I, I wanted to get onto that one, but the word here, there's two words. One is stand, and one is withstand. Um, when it says you're going to stand, but you're going to withstand. And the one is, is, is getting ready for an attack. You are waiting for it. It's actually, um, but believe it or not, the word is antihistamine like antihistamine. It's actually where we get the word. Anti against histamine is that stand. It actually means, so, so the antihistamine stands against and rejects histamine in your body, right? You get, some of you take antihistamine. That's the same Greek word that Paul is using for us. It's we're going to stand against and reject all the attacks of the enemy. That's what he's calling us to do. And the first one he uses is the belt of truth. Some of your Bibles sell the belt of truth. Others say having your loins girded with truth. Well, if you see a Roman soldier, if you've ever seen a movie, which we all have, often they had, well, sometimes they had little short, cute little dresses. But in, in, in long times, they wore long, in cold times, they would have a longer um, thing to keep them warm. Uh, and so they would um, have a belt to, to, one, put all their clothing together, um, they would have a belt so that they would hang the sword on it. Sometimes they had two belts, but they'd have a belt for a sword. And so they had a second belt or the same belt for a dagger, um, a, a shorter sword and a long sword. They would also, this belt um, was, would help to sustain a shield that would actually, that they would use because it would clip to the belt because it was very heavy. The shield of faith is about, f- is, is four feet or so big from down here all the way up to the shoulders. That's the shield of faith. So this belt holds your weapons together. It binds all your clothing together so it doesn't fall off. You know, as I've been losing weight, my pants are beginning to fall off. Shannon reminds me all the time, please wear a belt, especially when you go to church. Okay, so our belt it holds things together for us. We choose our belts for different reasons because, they, you know, we like the color whatever. But the belt was very important to the Roman soldier. Also, one of the things that the Roman soldier would do is, is the, the tunic thing that he would wear was very long. It would keep him warm. But when they got ready for battle or if they had to run, they would take the tunic and they'd pull it up and they would tuck it inside of their belt so that their legs could move freely. And they would fight from that position with their tunic tucked into the belt. And so the belt is very, very important for us to understand that, that you know, we are in a battle and, and it, we're going to need this. And so, so what does he say this belt is? It's truth. The belt is truth. Now, um, honestly, for a long time, I used to just say, well, the word, the Bible, it must be the Bible. You know, so that's truth. The Bible, you know, he's in Jesus' truth and the Bible's truth, which is true, but that's not what he's talking about here. 
He's talking about a life style of truth. That the very first thing we have to have in order to fight against the enemy is, is a truthful lifestyle. In other words, transparent and real. Let me give you a definition. Candor, sincerity, truthfulness, rooted in the objective reality of the truth of God's word. Okay? I didn't write this. You can tell. Truth is this. Candor, sincerity, truthfulness, rooted in the objective reality of the truth of God's word. Here it refers to the sub, uh, a practical application of openness and honesty in all things with God and men. So the very first thing that we're supposed to do, the belt of truth, is that we live openly, honestly, with man and with God. Right there, I will, I will guess that many people have been under attacks of the enemy and, the, and they felt it. They know that their, their, their spiritual life is, is a roller coaster. They, they get attacked and they fall to the attacks, the lies of Satan because they're not living truthfully with God and man. They're, they're part-time truthers or, or hypocrites altogether. You know, so, so some people, they just, they, they, they say one thing and they just live a whole other way. But there's other people who are not being honest with God. They're not being honest with man. They're, they're kind of one foot in the world sometimes and one foot out of the world. And what's happening is that your life is not full of the truth of being real with yourself, with, with other people, and with God. Sometimes we just have to admit, hey, this is my life. These are, th- these are my struggles. I need help. And we need to be removed from those things. But we have to be honest. Truth. We have to be candor. Satan wants to come in and bring even more deception. Think of the the Garden of Eden. You know, he brought in deception to Eve. He told a lot of half-truths. Did God really say that you'd die? You won't die. You know, it's, it's good fruit. It looks good. It tastes good. You will be like God in the sense that you will know good from evil. That was true. But it wasn't what God wanted. And so she was deceived. And then she tempted and helped Adam to be deceived as well. Kenneth Woost, who's a, a commentary, uh, commentator, a biblical scholar, he says this, The best of truth is the man or woman whose mind will and practice no deceit and no attempt to disguise. I, I, I re, re, let me reread that. The best of truth is the man or woman whose mind, will, and practice um, no deceit and attempt no disguises in their walk with God. They don't practice deceit. They don't try to disguise their walk with God. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Are you being honest with God this morning? Being honest with man? Search my heart, God. Know my heart. See if there's any wickedness in me. Honestly, sometimes we're like, I don't even have to pray that. I know there is. But let's get honest with God. Let's get, let's get honest with the brethren, people in the, in the church, and, and stop pretending. That's truth. And... and Truth is what pulls it all together. It's the very first thing that we were mentioned. The next one, 
And there's teachings you could go on for a day on each one of these. We don't need to. Next one is the breastplate of righteousness. So the breastplate of righteousness was made of different metals and leather, and it protected you from, uh, it would protect you both from an arrow, if it, if it hit the right spot, a sword. It, could hurt, it would shield from even a, a physical punch. It, would, it went down, it covered the shoulders, it went down here. But here's what it did, is it covers the heart. Okay, the righteousness is covering our heart. Now, let me talk real quick about this. This is not talking about Christ's righteousness that we already have. We know that. We've been talking about that in, in Ephesians. We are, we are deemed righteous already. Because of Christ, his sacrifice, he declares that we're already sin-free and, and righteous. We're, we're, we're made perfect even though we still in this body struggle with sin. He looks at us as forgiven. So we're not talking about that righteousness. We're actually talking about a right living. Righteousness is this. It's uprightness, right living, integrity in one's lifestyle and character. Conforming of our will with God's will. Although it's rooted in, the, in, in Christ's righteousness that we already possess in our standing before God because of Christ, the breastplate of righteousness, it guards and protects our heart, is the practical application of truth to our lives the practical application of that truth to our lives so we apply it and as we understand who christ is that he died for our sins that we're forgiven and we know these things we begin to apply it and righteousness begins to happen but we have to apply it these are not passive statements these are not passive things the breastplate of righteousness satan comes in not just with deception but he also comes in with accusations you know what? One of the big things he comes in, and he, he does a couple of things. He, one, says, what kind of Christian are you? You sin. I know, you, I know what you did. You call yourself a Christian with that mouth? You call yourself a Christian doing those things? That's not what a Christian is. And he comes in, he accuses us, and guilt and shame become, begin to come in. So he uses... When we fall, when we're not living righteously, he uses as an opportunity to accuse us. Another trick of the enemy is, is accusation is, you know how you messed up? God's never going to forgive you. You're too bad. You know those other people? God will forgive them, but not you because you know what you did. So he, he accuses us. But what we're supposed to be doing is, is living out that righteous life. And, you know, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. But remember, if we're working first at, at transparency, at truthfully living, and then letting that application of that truth live out in our life where we're, we're, we're working to serve him, we're working to live righteously, everything's in the right order. When we fail, we say, God, forgive me. And we move on. We don't, we don't play in the enemy's territory. So we have that righteousness. When we hear his, his accusations, sometimes we willfully turn away from what we know is God's will. And we open ourselves up to even more influence on our life. Think of the Old Testament, uh, Saul. You guys might remember, you know, Saul was the anointed king, but he was supposed to go to this one place and wait there for um, Samuel to come and do the pro- to, to make a sacrifice. And the prophet was late to come and make the sacrifice so Saul took it upon himself 
to offer the sacrifice to God. He allowed, he allowed the deception and all this thing to go in and to, to get him off course and he did not follow what God wanted him to do. Even Peter in the New Testament, think about this. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to go. I'm going to die. And Peter says, never be it so, Lord. No. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Peter, the apostle, was, was allowed to just, he, he allowed himself to get swayed enough to not look at eternity and eternal things right. He, he got drawn into the flesh and the natural, and he allowed Satan to even get, get into his mind and heart, trying to stop the Lord from being sacrificed. Why? Because of his love for him. Oh, but I, you know, we get deceived by our emotions all the time. And, and Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. We've got to be very careful uh, when it comes to our feelings. They, they lie to us all the time. Righteousness. Christ's righteousness in me causes me to want to live rightly for him. Christ's sacrifice for me causes me to desire to, to live for him, but when I struggle, I need to be truthful with God and live a true life. Belt of truth and breastplate of righteousness. We're not going to get to the helmet of salvation, which is going to be wonderful, but I'm going to do one more real quick. In order, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, it's just, it, you know, Roman soldiers had boots, or leather they wrapped all the way up to the up here somewhere and they would have a little piece of metal on it so they could grip the dirt and they could also use it as a as a weapon actually it's really important that the they had this little metal thing that they could they could stand because they would sometimes get one-on-one hand-to-hand combat even in in times of like almost wrestling but he says we need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace what is that? Well, preparation is this. It's establishment. The means of a firm foundation. It's also the idea of readiness to share the gospel. And here, let me tell you about the gospel. The gospel is this. Jesus Christ came to earth and died for sinners to bring peace between man and God. The gospel of peace, the gospel of salvation brings peace between God and man. And it's a good message. It's not a bad message. Sometimes the world wants to say that's a bad message. It's full of condemnation. No, it's a good news. The gospel means good news. And we need to be ready to share God's message of peace everywhere we go. We need to be looking for opportunities to bring peace. You know what? Uh, sometimes the church, because we're people, we get lost and we become more divisive. And again, we've talked about this a lot here. The political things are dividing the, the, the nation, including the church. And sometimes we're being divided from those that we're supposed to be reaching with the gospel of peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because people have differing political ideas than we do. Never let it be. Our aim should be to reconcile people to Christ with the message. And we need to have that ready all the time that that we know and we're looking for opportunities to bring people to peace with God. Reconciliation really means to, to bring people to an agreement with each other. When he, de- he deceives us, he condemns us, but he also, like I talked a little bit about, he casts doubt 
even in our own salvation. So how can we share our salvation with someone else? And he, and he comes in and he all these attacks you're seeing these are all the these are all daily normal attacks from the enemy we're going to actually talk later over the next couple of weeks about more supernatural attacks of the enemy these are just stuff that happen all the time deception doubt discouragement he's coming in and we're going to talk about um the the helmet of salvation and how that kind of comes together with understanding his truth he wants to cast doubt on on god's goodness and he's even using sometimes the church because if the church comes against people, that doesn't seem good. We don't come against people. We come against the enemy and we lift up Jesus. I don't have to get on, on social media and rant and rave about people who, who have differing political views than me. Call them names because they're such idiots. And, 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 you know, and I'm pretty much off of Facebook, so if you've been doing that, I don't know that, so I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing anything like, you know. Oh, I'm. I, you know, I saw Steve, and he was on Facebook, and he was calling everyone an idiot. I don't even think Steve's on Facebook. That's why I said that. I don't. I. I I'm not on there, but I know, and I've seen it enough to watch Christians engaging in these attacks towards people. We're not supposed to attack people. We're supposed to stand our ground against the enemy. We're supposed to love people and help bring the gospel of peace to people. What, what, what would happen if the church actually started doing that? <laughs> I mean, end game for the enemy. It'd be over because you'd see the church doing what Christ wants us to do and how to live. Live in love and peace with truth. There is truth in some of our... My political standards come mostly from the Bible. I think they're right. I think I, I, I don't think that God wants us to kill unborn babies. I think God instituted marriage between a man and a woman and that he knows the difference between a man and a woman. And he doesn't make mistakes. But I tell you, I even even in the last number of weeks I've 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 counseled with people and I, I counsel with different people out of the church, in the church and and I've, over the number of, last number of years, I've counseled with people who struggle with same-sex attractions and, and uh, people who, who don't even struggle with same-sex attractions. They just give into it. And I tell you, I, I, I believe that every one of them I've ever talked to, whether it's in passing or counseling or anything else, would say, Pastor Rob loves me. And it's true. I do. Because God loves them too. Do I agree with every lifestyle out there? Absolutely not. There's people I meet all the time. They're they're racked in drugs, or 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 they're they're you know angry. And do I still I still love them? But I want to bring them the gospel of peace, which is the message of reconciliation. So I'm going to stand on truth, but but we're going to bring peace. We're going to bring the message of God to people. We're going to live rightly, truthfully between God and man. We're going to let the things that God has already done inside of us live out of our life and begin to live righteously. And, and you know, you read the Bible, it shows us how he wants us to live. And we're going to be ready at all times to promote the peace of God. It's awesome. We're just going to be, you know, super Christians. Those who know him, who've been changed by him and allowing him to live through him.
We need to know what the gospel is. God so loved the world. He gave Jesus for us. Know that we're saved. That he called us out of darkness and we're not going to accidentally lose our salvation. We can be assured of our salvation. We need to know that our, our faith is not based on feelings. Because there's times I don't feel uh, like a Christian. I don't feel the ooey-gooeyness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Anyone who's been married for 10, 20, 30 years, if you would have acted out on your feelings, would have been divorced already. It's just, it's just true. I don't care how good your marriage is and has been. There's been a time in your marriage, if you've been married long enough, 10, 20, 30 years, that if you would have acted on the feeling in the moment, you would have just walked out. But we don't act on our feelings. We act in faith. God has defeated Satan. He's delivered us totally from sin's penalty and his power. But know that the enemy still comes in like guerrilla warfare and he's attacking us. So we have to be ready. Know that we've been transferred already. We, we used to live in the kingdom of darkness. And we were, now we're living in the kingdom of light. So we have all the privileges and rights of the, that a child of God should have. But we have to put on our spiritual protection. Today we talked about being honest with God, with ourselves and other people. And we need to respond to the truth that God shows us by righteous living. We need to understand what the gospel is and be ready to share it in his message of grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that encourages us and directs us. God, it, it convicts and the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. But we thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are leading us to a deeper walk with you and a deeper place with you, God, to a more intimate knowledge and relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that we can uh, stand against, withstand the attacks of the enemy by living truthfully, living righteously, and being prepared at all times for us personally and for sharing the gospel with other people. Lord, as, as we are in a spiritual battle today, and even this week where the enemy is going to come in and to people who are making changes in their life and drawing closer to you, we thank you that you will help us to stand against the wiles of the enemy, his schemes, his methods, to trust in you and to resist the enemy so he will flee. Help us to continue to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.